Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. I'm Anthony Buzzard, inviting you again to investigate the Scriptures with us as we continue with our search for truth in regard to Jesus' favorite topic, the Gospel about the Kingdom of God. Our impression is that many people think that Jesus came only to die and to be raised from the dead. It's as though He did it all for us and there's not much more that we have to do. Do you realize that Jesus, in fact, came to teach and save through His teaching? Jesus was a saving teacher. He did not only come to die in order to save, He came also to teach in order to save. What about that famous verse in John 3.16? For God so loved the world that He gave His unique Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have the life of the age to come. I wonder if you hear in that verse only a promise that Jesus came to die. God gave His Son. What does that mean to you? It's more than just dying and being raised from the dead. The very next verse gives us an explanation. John 3.17 says, For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through Him. It is the sending of the Son into the world, having the Son born, giving the Son a ministry of salvation. That's what's meant by God giving His Son. Certainly it includes the death of Jesus for our sins and His subsequent resurrection, but it does not exclude the teaching ministry of Jesus for three and a half years before His death. You see, Jesus is not only Lord and Master, He's a rabbi. You call me Master and Lord, or Teacher and Lord, Jesus said in John 13, 13, and you do well. But Teacher is included there in Jesus' job description. He's our Rabbi, He's our Teacher, He's our Preacher of the Gospel. Listen to the illuminating words of Jesus in Luke 4, verse 43. In that verse, Jesus defined His mission with complete clarity. He said, I must proclaim the good news or gospel about the kingdom of God to the other cities also. That's the reason why God commissioned me. And in the parallel verse in Mark 1.38, he says, Let's go elsewhere to the next towns so that I may preach there also. That's the reason I set out on my mission. And so heralding the kingdom, the gospel about the kingdom, is Jesus' own description of his activity as a preacher. Now, it would make perfect sense that if Jesus says, follow me, to us, his disciples, then we too would become preachers of the kingdom of God gospel. But the gospel of the kingdom of God is a phrase seldom heard in contemporary Christianity. Do you remember Jesus' charge to the young man who wanted to bury his dead before following Jesus? Jesus said in Luke 9, verse 60, Let the dead bury their own dead but you go and preach everywhere the kingdom of God. That's the meaning of discipleship. It's time then for Christians to learn what that gospel is all about so that we can follow the instructions of Jesus here and become with him preachers and proclaimers and heralds of the gospel about the kingdom. Now, the fact that Jesus was a saving teacher is abundantly clear from many of his sayings. Think not, he said, that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I didn't come to destroy it, 
but to complete or perfect it. In other words, Jesus, in his teaching, perfected and brought to fulfillment the instruction that already lay at hand in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible. But this presents Jesus as an instructor, as one giving the new Torah, the new revelation from God. That makes him the supreme rabbi and the supreme teacher and the supreme prophet, as well, of course, as the one who died an atoning death for us on the cross. You will find that verse in Matthew 5, verse 17. On another occasion in Luke 9:56, Jesus said, The Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Yet again, we see the saving aspect in the teaching ministry of Jesus Christ. There's a wonderful verse in Isaiah 53, in verse 11, describing the suffering servant, and of him that verse predicts that by his knowledge he will cause many to be righteous. By his knowledge, notice, not only by his death, certainly he atones for our sins by dying on the cross, but it's by his knowledge that he causes us to be justified or made righteous, declared righteous in the sight of God. Isaiah 53 Verse 11, throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus insists on his word as having saving value for us. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life, Jesus said in John 6, verse 63. Peter recognized that a few verses later when he said that, Jesus, you are the one who has the words of the life of the age to come. You see, it was not just Jesus' death on the cross, not just his resurrection, which brings about our salvation, it is our faithful and intelligent response to his teaching ministry that is an essential part of salvation. Listen to Jesus' words in Luke 8:12. There he spoke of the message about the kingdom, known as the word of God in the New Testament, the gospel of the kingdom, the word of God. He said that when anybody hears that message, the devil is there ready to snatch the message, the teaching of the kingdom, that is, away from the heart of the potential believer so that he cannot believe it and be saved. Luke 8:12. That tells us plainly that an intelligent response to Jesus' gospel message about the kingdom of God is the first requisite for the disciple who wants to follow in the path of Jesus. And in 1 Timothy 6, verse 3, Paul spoke of health-giving words, and he was referring there, as you'll see in that context, to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those are the words which build us up. Those are the words which confer upon us spiritual health and lead us eventually into the kingdom of God when Jesus returns in power and glory. If you're in any doubt at all about who originated the gospel preaching in the New Testament, turn to Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3. You'll find there mention of salvation And it's a salvation which first began to be proclaimed by the Lord Jesus, and it was confirmed to the writer of Hebrews by those who had personally witnessed the ministry of Jesus himself. But note carefully in that verse, Hebrews 2, verse 3, that salvation had its beginning in the preaching of Jesus himself. It's a very serious mistake of Bible study to imagine that Paul was the originator of Christianity. Paul, of course, was a wonderful commentator on the work of Jesus, but not for one moment did Paul imagine that the words of the historical Jesus 
the preaching and teaching that Jesus labored at for three and a half years, not for a moment did Paul think that any of that had been superseded or become obsolescent. The teaching and the words and the gospel of Jesus are exactly the same gospel as Paul preached himself. And you remember that Paul in Galatians 1 said that we must not add to the gospel, we must not subtract from it. To remove the central and fundamental element of the kingdom from the gospel is a serious mistake. It takes us away from the teaching of Jesus and therefore away from Christianity itself. If you look in the book of Acts, you'll find that Paul always preached exactly the same gospel of the kingdom as his Lord and Master had preached. Paul was commissioned to take the very same gospel to the Gentile world. In Acts 19.8, we find Paul characteristically entering the synagogue and engaging in a protracted exercise of reasoning and persuading. He continued speaking to them boldly for three months, the text says, reasoning and dialoguing with them and persuading them in regard to the kingdom of God. Well, of course, because that was the topic that occupied the preaching and evangelistic ministry of Jesus himself. The kingdom of God was always the heart and center of the message, and it continued to be after the death and resurrection of Jesus. In Acts 20, verse 25, we have a wonderfully illuminating summary of Paul's whole mission. We invite our friends, our listening friends, to consider whether their ministries tally with the ministries described by Paul here. In Acts 20, verse 25, Paul says, I went about among you preaching the kingdom. That was the way Paul looked back on his ministry among the Ephesians. That was how he described his whole mission and evangelistic campaign. It was a preaching of the kingdom of God. No wonder then that in Acts 28, when Paul gathered a number of Jewish people to his house for discussion of the gospel, we find him from dawn till dusk arguing from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And the subject of his concern was again the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus. Acts 28, verse 23. Finally then, at the very last verse of the book of Acts, we find the Apostle Paul engaged in a two-year ministry in Rome, preaching the kingdom of God, heralding the kingdom of God. That reminds us exactly then of Jesus' opening ministry in Galilee. He also came as a herald of the kingdom of God, as did John the Baptist before him. Paul is no exception to this preaching ministry of the kingdom. His whole mission, in fact, his whole proclamation of Christianity revolves around the central topic of the kingdom of God. Is that your experience today? Or would it be true to say that the kingdom has fallen under a kind of eclipse? It's time for Bible readers everywhere to protest that if the kingdom of God is not preached with clarity, Christianity itself is put into a fog. Clarity is lost unless we define the gospel clearly and use the same terminology to describe it as the Bible does. Everyone in the Bible preached the kingdom. In Acts 8.12 you'll find that Philip preached the kingdom of God to the people in Samaria. It is when the people believed Philip, we read, as he was proclaiming to them the gospel about the kingdom of God, that they were ready to be baptized, both men and women. That's the center of the faith. That's where the heart of Christianity lies in the preaching of the gospel about the kingdom of God and the things concerning the name of Jesus Christ. 
it makes perfect sense that if we are to be faithful to Jesus Christ, that we should stick with the words that he uses to describe the gospel. He spoke always of the gospel about the kingdom, but that phrase, gospel of the kingdom, is seldom, if ever heard in public preaching today. Something is seriously amiss. In Matthew 24, verse 14, Jesus announced the fact that the gospel about the kingdom would be heralded in the entire world before the end came. The gospel, you see, was still the gospel of the kingdom, even in the end times. There's no change in the gospel. How fearfully complicated it would be if we had to reckon with two different forms of the gospel, a gospel for the Jews and a gospel for the Gentiles. No, the Gentiles are privileged to come within the sphere of Judaism, within the sphere of the Jewish Jesus, the Christian Jesus, who preached and proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom. It is we Gentiles who must become grafted into Israel. Israel is the root that supports us, but we have been prone to invent our own agendas, our own gospels, and our own versions of Jesus' teaching to suit our own fancies and fads. Back to the Jesus of the Bible means back to that first century Palestinian Jewish Jesus who preached the kingdom of God to his colleagues and bids us to bring the same message to our friends and to everybody we come in contact with. Our time is running out for today. If you would like a tape of the broadcast you've been listening to, please request it from us at the telephone number to be given at the end of this program. We have free literature on the kingdom of God, on the millennium for you. Request these items by name. Meanwhile, join us again in subsequent programs as we continue with our investigation, our search for truth, in regard to Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.